He's the first and the second and the third high first believer in Islam, Khadija. She remained with her sister Hala. Hala passed away, and then Abu Bakr took the opportunity to invite him to the religion of Islam. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم عثمان بن عفان was the third individual who became the leader of the Muslim community and he is the longest governing Khalifa from the four rightly guided Khulafa. He remained in power for 11 years and 11 months and 20 days. Uthman ibn Affan ruled the Muslim community from the year 24 after Hijrah to the 35th year after the Hijrah. And that makes him the longest governor and leader and Khalifa out of the four Khulafa. And of course, He's also considered to be amongst the closest of the companions to Rasulullah. He is also the son-in-law of the Prophet. Not only that, but he's revered and respected for numerous achievements. He's glorified as one of the Islamic heroes. A personality that is extremely honored and respected throughout the Muslim world and within the course of history. However, the third Khalifa and the time in which he took the leadership position remains to be amongst the most controversial periods within Islamic history. Due to the fact that the Khalifa did not have a natural death. Neither he was killed by a non-Muslim or attacked by an outside force. The Khalifa was attacked by other Sahaba and other Muslims and assassinated. His body was left in his home the palace of the Khilafah for three consecutive days without a wash and a burial. And he was seen to be amongst the leaders who favored his family and friends, specifically his clan, Bani Umayyah, above the rest of the Muslim world. And that is why there was a great revolt amongst the Muslim community which led to his death and assassination. Indeed, 12 years of Khilafah will have a great, tremendous influence on the making and the shaping of the Islam that we know today. The 12 years of the Khilafah of Uthman ibn Affan 
Al-Qurayshi al-Umawi has played a great role, an influential role, a powerful role in shaping the religion of Islam. And today we are here to discuss his biography, to analyze and examine his role in protecting the original message of Islam, the originality of the religion of Islam, and preserving the message and the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam and the Holy Quran. And we are here to examine major events and major personalities and occurrences which may have played a role in distorting the originality of Islam and distorting the legacy of Rasulullah. And we will do that by examining this personality as a companion to Rasulullah as a Sahabi and we will do that we will also examine him as a Khalifa of the Muslim community and today there is going to be a lot of important discussion about but amongst the most important of discussions that you will come across today is that who should be accused of disrespect towards the Sahaba? Is it the followers of Ahlul Bayt who disrespect the Sahaba? Is it the Shia leadership who disrespects the Sahaba? The followers of Ahlul Bayt who adhere to the teachings of Al-Imam Amir Al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib and after him his children Al-Imam Hassan and Hussein are they the ones that taught the Shia community disrespect towards the Sahaba? Or is it that disrespect towards the Sahaba began from the very early days of Islam and specifically during the 12 years of the Khilafah of Uthman ibn Affan? For you will see not only great amount of disrespect towards the closest, most loyal and beloved companions of Rasulullah but also physical abuse towards the most noble, righteous and pious of the companions. Let us examine this topic after your loud salawat ala Muhammadin wa Ali Muhammad. The books of history indicate that Uthman ibn Affan converted after the invitation of the first, first caliph to him, Abu Bakr ibn Abi Quhafa to enter the religion of Islam. He seek the counsel of Abu Bakr, stating to him that I would like to marry the daughter of Muhammad, Ruqayyah. And it seems that this is not going to be a possibility for me. So I want you to guide me, to advise me, to lead me to this marriage. 
And right there and then Abu Bakr took the opportunity to invite him to the religion of Islam and took him to Rasulullah. There he uttered the shahada and became a Muslim, then asked later on in marriage to Ruqayya, the daughter of Rasulullah. We don't know people's intentions. We don't have a way to examine the hearts and the minds and the souls and the intentions of individuals. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the intentions of people. However, we find that the motivation which called on to the third Khalifa, Uthman ibn Affan, to enter the religion of Islam was not the fact that he had heard the Quran or he had met Rasulullah or his heart and mind was touched by the message of the last and divine messenger of God but he was looking for a solution to marry someone that he had in mind anyhow he became a Muslim and amongst the companions of Rasulullah and we respect that and we're not here to be Meisner or Bakhil or to keep away the, the noble qualities of individuals. If we find noble qualities in anybody, we state them. We speak about them. We're not here to... We don't have personal animosities with anybody in history. We are here to discuss them as individuals, yes? Uthman is recognized and praised for the fact that he unified the versions of the Qur'an, and we will discuss that. He is praised and honored and respected for the fact that he expanded and enlarged the Masjid al-Haram and Masjid Rasulullah. Therefore, when we come across virtues, we are not going to purposely avoid them or maneuver around them, but we will discuss them. However, we are here to discuss an important notion, a greater notion. Yes, the expansion of the Masjid al-Haram and Masjid Rasulullah is very good. But let me remind you that we are here to discuss the protection of the legacy of Rasulullah and the originality of Islam and the role of this man in protecting the originality of Islam. Therefore, that brings us to the second point. Was he the father-in-law? Was he the son-in-law of Rasulullah? And was Ruqayya the daughter of Rasulullah? Ruqayya was not the daughter of Rasulullah. Indeed, Rasulullah did not have a child by the name of Ruqayya, neither Umm Kulthum. Neither they were the children of Khadija al-Kubra, for Khadija had not married prior to Rasulullah. They were the daughters of Hala. Ruqayya was the daughter of Hala. Who was Hala? Hala was the sister of Khadija al-Kubra. Ummul Mu'mineen Khadija had a sister by the name of Hala. When Hala passed away, her children came under the custody of Khadija. And Khadija kept them in, their, in her home and in her custody. 
and then she married Rasulullah. So they grew up in the house of Rasulullah and Rasulullah was a fatherly figure to them and he loved them. And he nurtured them and he took care of them. Now, for me to briefly tell you why is it that we believe that Hala was that Ruqayya was not the daughter of Rasulullah, but she was not the daughter of Khadija either, and she was the daughter of Hala. Khadija, brothers and sisters, had inherited the largest cargo business in the Arabian Peninsula from her father Khuwailid. Khuwailid owned a shipping company. He owned thousands and thousands of camels and horses that he would rent to the Arabs, to Quraysh, to even the kings of the Arabian Peninsula. You know the Arabian Peninsula had kings, had very powerful individuals. He would rent his camels and his horses as a cargo business. Imagine UPS or FedEx of the time. Her father died. He passed away. She remained with her sister Hala. Hala passed away. Khadija became the sole inheritor of this large business. Successful business. Obviously she could not travel with the caravan. So she appointed individuals to do that on her behalf. Amongst, his, amongst her employees was whom? Rasulullah. For a period of time, Rasulullah was amongst her employees. And once he went on several of the journeys accompanying the cargo business of Khadija al Kubra, then when they would return, she would find that not only the business has been extremely successful, but here's an honest, genuine man who has not made a plan to exploit the wealth of Khadija al-Kubra. That is why she told her partner, who was her partner? Abu Talib. Abu Talib was her partner in the business. She says, Ya Abu Talib, I want to marry your nephew Muhammad. I have not found an honest man, a good man, a loyal man, a smart individual like him. So Khadija al-Kubra had this great business. She inherited this business. And then when Islam came, and Rasulullah was appointed as the final messenger, Khadija supported Rasulullah with her wealth. Pay attention to this very important point. And she gave, and she gave everything that she had for the sake of Islam. Until one day a mu'adhin, a person who was a spokesman, came into Masjid al-Haram, while Masjid al-Haram was flocking with people in the time of the pilgrimage. You know the pilgrimage people would come from all over the Arabian Peninsula to the Kaaba. A person came and everybody knew Khadija because everybody had to do business through Khadija and her cargo business. He says, oh people listen. This is, a, this is the messenger of Khadija bint Khuwailid. Isma'u. Ayyuhannas, isma'u. People gathered to listen to the call of this man who was the ambassador of Khadija bin Khuwailid. 
أن خديجة بنت خويلد لقد وحبت كل أموالها لمحمد رسول الله خديجة بنت خويلد has given all her wealth to Muhammad Rasulullah. She gave so much that when they placed her, when, when she was on her deathbed, she says to her daughter Fatima, Oh Fatima, I don't have a kiffin. I've given everything for the sake of Islam. That is why Rasulullah loved her unconditionally. And he would cry every time he heard the name of Khadija. Many people say, why is it that Fatima to Zahra went and gave an entire sermon in the masjid to take back Fadak? <coughs> Fatima to Zahra never enjoyed one dirham or one dinar from Fadak. Amir al Mu'mineen would go and take the money from Fadak and he would distribute the money. Prior to reaching the home of Fatima, so before he reached the home of Fatima, he would not have anything. He would be ashamed to come back to Fatima to Zahra. Fatima would say, Salman, go and look for my husband Ali. He has given all the wealth of Fadak, which was an equivalent of one million dollars annually of income. He's given this away to the poor, to the needy, to the ones that want to get married, build homes, have loans. Now he has nothing to come back. He may be ashamed. Go and invite him back to the house. Fatima to Zahra didn't want the money of, of, of Fadak. So why did she ask for Fadak? She asked for Fadak because it was compromising the role of Khadija. When Fadak came into the custody of Rasulullah, Jibra'il came to Rasulullah immediately. Ya Rasulullah, honor Khadija with Fadak. Ya Jibra'il, Khadija's dead. She's gone. She's no longer with us. Yes, indeed. Honor her by giving Fadak to her inheritor, Fatima to Zahra, her daughter Fatima. That is why Fatima came and spoke of Fadak so that the role of Khadija al Kubra could not be undermined. Ummul Mu'mineen, the very first Mu'min. The very first believer in Islam, Khadija al-Kubra. That is why Fatima went to ask for Fadak. And this is an extremely important point that needs to be understood. So who was Ruqayya? Ruqayya was one of the daughters of Hala, the sister of Khadija. Uthman married her. Now I'm going to tell you this from Sahih Bukhari. Or else she died while she was married to Uthman. She died. When they came to wash her body in burial, she was bruised. Rasulullah saw her body and he cried. He wept. Now imagine somebody who, his wife, his young wife, who comes out of the daughter of who comes out of the house of Rasulullah? His wife has died. Would he be sad? Should he be sad? Should he be in remorse? The next day he came onto the janaza of Ruqayya. He stood at the janaza of Ruqayya. They were about to take Ruqayya inside the grave. Rasulullah wanted to there expose the fact. That Uthman had not been 
in sadness and remorse over the death of his wife, Ruqayya. So you know what he said? This is in Bukhari. In Bukhari. It's not in Bihar al-Anwar or Kafi or any Shia source. This is in Bukhari. Rasulullah says whoever has had an encounter with his wife last night could not enter the grave. Meaning what? Meaning Uthman, one of his wife died, he went to another wife. And he enjoyed himself that evening. And he came. Anyhow, there are some things we cannot say. He came in that state to the janazah of his daughter who came out of the house of Rasulullah. So Rasulullah says, if such a man is there, cannot go into the grave of Ruqayya. So Uthman pulled, out, pulled away. Rasulullah wanted to tell him, what kind of sadness is this? What kind of remorse is this? That one of your wife dies, you go to someone else's home and you enjoy yourself. So he stopped him from entering the grave of Ruqayya. He wept and he cried. And in some historical traditions, he did not look at the face of Uthman. He ignored Uthman. And he did not pay any condolences to him. But anyhow, like I said, we don't have intentions. This, is, this could be an analysis. You may disagree with me, I agree. But let us come to a next event. The battlefields. Again, this is from Bukhari. Bukhari. Al-Imam Bukhari. We will discuss Bukhari and why is it that Bukhari and Muslim authored those books. It was merely for the fact to praise the first and the second and the third Khalifa and Bani Umayyah. But this is in Bukhari. A conversation between Abdullah ibn Umar and a man who's asking him. He says to him, is it true that Uthman ibn Affan ran away from the battle of Badr? And he ran away from the battle of Uhud. Is it true? Abdullah says yes. It's true, he ran away. So let me tell you about the battle of Badr and Uhud. The battle of Badr was 313 Muslims in the second year after the Hijrah who had no swords, couple of swords, four or five swords, maybe two or three camels, one or two horses, and the rest were carrying sticks and rocks. And they went to face the army of Quraysh, 1,000 people. So you have 313 in the month of Ramadan. And there you have the army of Quraysh. So Rasulullah asked his companions, he says, what do you think of this battle? What do you think of this plan? What was the plan? The plan was to intercept the caravan of Abu Sufyan who had been taken you see when the Muslims left Mecca to Medina they ran away from Mecca to Medina what did Quraysh do? Quraysh went to their businesses and took all their goods took all their wealth took all their homes sold their properties ripped them off from everything they had and now they were doing business with that money so Rasulullah says, we intercept the caravan of Abu Sufyan, you take back 
your properties and your goods from them. But Abu Sufyan has a caravan that does not, you know, uh, travel by itself. It travels with protection. So he asked the Muslim community, what do you think? There many stood to give their counsel and advice and opinion. Amongst them was the very first Khalifa, Abu Bakr, Ibn Abi Quhafa, who said, Ya Rasulullah, let me tell you. إِنَّهَا قُرَيْشٌ وَخِيَلَاؤُهَا وَجَبَرُوتُهَا Ya Rasulullah, do you know who they are? This is Quraysh and their army and their power and their might and their swords. What are we? We're just, we have no swords, we have no, nothing. We have no warriors. Then he looked at other companions and they said, Ya Rasulullah, if you tell us to go, we go. If you tell us to stop, we stop. If you tell us to march into the midst of the fire, Ya Rasulullah, we are with you. We are Muslim. Muslim means we submit. You tell us, we execute. We don't question you, Ya Rasulullah. Rasulullah then says, Allah will give you victory. Let us go. And the battle of Badr, Uthman had to face some of his family members. And some people he was doing business with. And some family ties. So he ran away. He never showed up to the battlefield. When they asked him, Uthman, where were you? He says, I had just married the daughter of Rasulullah. You want me to, to, to leave Ruqayya, the daughter of Rasulullah, and come to the battlefield? It would be disrespectful to her. So I stayed back. What about the battle of Uhud? You know what was very interesting about the battle of Uhud? It was probably the most defining battle in the religion of Islam that truly tested people. You know why? Because Quraysh was defeated in Badr and they had come even stronger for Uhud. And the fact that Muslims had to face their own families. There's a Muslim on this side, on that side there is his father, his brother, his cousin, his nephew. So who will you choose? Will you choose your, the side of your blood kin, relatives, business, or will you stand with Rasulullah? It was a great test. The battlefield took place, the battle took place in the battlefield of Uhud. You have seen all those who have gone to Medina, you've seen Uhud. Anyhow, Rasulullah told the Muslim community, don't disembark from the mountain, wait until I give you a signal. They did not wait, they came down to collect the booties of war. When they came down, Khalid ibn Walid came from behind them, he attacked them, and Rasulullah was heavily injured. And they began to shout out, Muhammadun Qadmat. Qadmata Muhammad. Muhammad has been killed. Right there and then, many of the Muslims dropped their swords. Many of them ran away. Many of them immediately switched side. Not only ran away. Not only dropped, they switched sides. And this is in the Quran, Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states this in the verse that I began the lecture with. 
وما محمد إلا رسول قد خلت من قبله الرسل أفإمات أو قتلا قلبتم على أعقابكم محمد is a prophet just like Musa just like Isa just like Abraham if he were to die or to be killed would you leave the religion or you would you still follow the message Muhammad is the carrier of the message you have to follow the message that Allah says in qalabtum you converted you changed Allah speaks of the inqilab of some of the Muslims who were in the battle of Uhud and returned to jahiliyyah in qalabtum ala aqabikum then Allah immediately says waman yanqalib ala aqibayhi falan yadurr Allah shay'a if you think that you leave Islam and Islam would be hurt and Allah would be hurt, you're wrong. Allah doesn't need you. And Allah doesn't need such numbers of people who run away from the battlefield. Uthman ibn Affan ran away for three days. This is in Sahih Bukhari. He ran away for three days from the battlefield of Uhud. When he returned, Rasulullah says to him, Ya Uthman, لَقَدْ أَخَذْتَ بِهَا عَرِيضَةً Uthman, you went for too long. So the battlefield was over. He could have came back the next day. This is the iman and the bravery of the third khalifa. Let us speak of his role after the demise of Rasulullah. There are many, there, are, there were other issues I wanted to discuss while he was the companion of Rasulullah, but let's move on. While after the demise of Rasulullah we have discussed that the first Khalifa came into power and then the second Khalifa, Umar ibn al-Khattab, who died in the last days of the 23rd year after the Hijrah. So Uthman became the Khalifa from the first day of Muharram of the 24th year after the Hijrah. So he took the successorship of Umar ibn al-Khattab. How so? How did he become a Khalifa? Very interesting. When Umar was on his deathbed, he sent his, his son Abdullah to the house of Lady Aisha with a message. The message is, I would like to be buried next to Abu Bakr and next to Rasulullah. So Lady Aisha said, come. Now, we know that she was amongst the nine wives of Rasulullah, correct? So nine other wives Rasulullah left behind. Also, the inheritor of Rasulullah was whom? Fatima. His only child. Fatima had passed away, so who were the inheritors? Hassan and Hussein. The second Khalifa should have called on to Lady Aisha or Hassan and Hussein to seek permission to be buried in the house of Rasulullah. Lady Aisha said, Abdullah, he's more than welcome to come and be buried here, but tell him, has he chosen a Khalifa? Ah, be careful. Send him a message. 
So he went and he says, Lady Aisha has agreed, but she says, have you chosen a Khalifa? He says, Abdullah bin Umar said, uh, Umar said to his son Abdullah, that this is my will. Gather the following six people. Who are they? Ali ibn Abi Talib, Uthman ibn Affan, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Talha and Zubair, six people. And he told them, listen, I am making a shura, a council amongst you. You have three days to choose the Khalifa. And those three days you have to declare the Khalifa amongst you. Go and settle this. They did not choose the Khalifa three days, but on the fourth day, which was the last day, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf said to him, Ya Ali ibn Abi Talib, give me your hand and I will give you allegiance ala kitabillah wa sunnati rasulihi wa sirati shaykhain. So that you follow, you become the Khalifa and you follow the footsteps of the Book of Allah, you follow Kitabullah. Sunnah Rasulullah, the Sunnah of Rasulullah that we've been discussing. I don't know how much of the Sunnah was really left by now. Because we have been discussing history since the demise of Rasulullah until now. Huh? And Sirat al Shaykhain. And the same way that the Shaykhain. So Amir al Mu'mineen says, Kitabullah, yes. Sirat Rasulullah, yes. But Ishtahad al Shaykhain, no. I am of my own opinion. He said to him, then, no. Uthman, give us your hand. He gave the allegiance to Uthman, and that made him the Khalifa of the Muslimin. And he ruled from that point onwards for 12 years. What was the stance of Uthman? The third Khalifa from the most noble of companions after he became the leader of the Muslim community. The first personality is Abu Dhar. Abu Dhar who was loved by Rasulullah Hadiths indicate in the manaqib of Sahaba and the books, the major books of the Muslims, in the Sihah of the Muslims, that Rasulullah says, Allah has ordered me to love some of my Sahaba, and he mentions their name. Allah has ordered me to love them. Amongst them was Salman, amongst them was Ali, and amongst them was Abu Dhar. And Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says the most honest and truthful man of my companions is Abu Dhar. So Abu Dhar saw the fact that there was a great deal of corruption in the time of Muawiyah, in the time of Uthman. Money and lavishness and, and Muawiyah was his governor in Sham and we will speak about this. And the spending of hundreds and thousands of golden dinars and dirhams on publicly being sinful and also calling themselves the representatives of Islam. We'll discuss this. So 
Abu Dhar kept speaking publicly in Medina that this is wrong, this is forbidden, this is not allowed. Uthman called him. He said, Abu Dhar, come. You're bothering me too much. What are you doing? Why are you causing controversy amongst the Muslims? He says, I'm causing controversy. I'm speaking against corruption. If you don't like what I'm telling you, change your ways. Even Amir al-Mu'mineen then told him, Imam Ali advised him, advised Uthman, he says, Ya Uthman, now you are the Khalifa of the Muslims. Don't do something where the Muslims will revolt against you and disrespect you and the position of the Khilafah. Don't do this. <coughs> change your ways. Don't give unlimited freedom to Bani Umayyah and to your representatives. Of course, he did not give attention to that. So he sent Abu Dhar where? Uthman sent him as a prisoner to Sham. Who was in Sham? Muawiyah, the governor of Uthman. Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan. And Abu Dhar there remained to talk about the corruption of Muawiyah. Inshallah, we will discuss Muawiyah. The unlimited corruption of Bani Umayyah. So, they took him and they beat him and they disrespected him and they sent him to an area called Rabadah and there from illness he died. This is Abu Dhar al-Ghifari. So who disrespected who initiated the disrespect of the Sahaba? Was it Ali? Was it Hassan? Was it Hussein? In fact, Amir al-Mu'mineen and Imam Hassan and Hussein accompanied Abu Dhar to Rabada as he was thrown out of Sham and Medina. This companion of Rasulullah, as he was disrespected, Amir al-Mu'mineen, he accompanied him. To give him solidarity. They intercepted him. The army of Muawiyah intercepted them. Imam Hassan and Hussein. But Amir al-Mu'mineen there drew his sword. He says, who's going to stop us? What was his stance towards Ammar ibn Yasir? Now tell me. Who knows? Who doesn't know Ammar ibn Yasir? Who does not, does not know the value of Ammar ibn Yasir? One of the most noble, pious, righteous, dedicated companions to Rasulullah. He went and he spoke to Uthman to tell him, Oh the Khalifa, Oh Uthman, why have you chosen some of your corrupt family members to sit on the chair of the imara of the most important cities of Islam. Uthman became upset. He said, stretch him out. They stretched him out. Consider the story, keep it in mind, and remind yourself what they did to Ammar's parents. What did they do to Ammar's parents? Yasser and Sumayya, what, what, what happened to them? Yasser and Sumayya, when they first became Muslim, they took them to a torture house in Mecca and they tortured them every single day. 
to create fear in the hearts of others so they won't convert to Islam. Rasulullah was outnumbered, was alone. He had no way to protect them. He would go and see them being tortured and he would say, Sabran ya ala yasir. Sabran ya ala yasir fa inna maw'idakum al-jannah. Who would torture them? Abu Sufyan. He tortured them until they died. Now, here is the third Khalifa, Uthman ibn Affan. He said, stretch him out. They stretched him out. Then they began to beat him and abuse him. And they beat him in certain areas that were extremely disrespectful to him as a companion of Rasulullah. They brought shame to him. This was his encounter with Ammar ibn Yasir. Abdullah bin Mas'ud who carried the Qur'an in his heart and was the teacher of the Qur'an. And he was the servant of Rasulullah. Ibn Mas'ud was so respected and dear to Rasulullah that you know back then they didn't have showers. Rasulullah when he would go to take a shower he would hold the curtain for Rasulullah. This is the amount of respect and trust that Rasulullah had in Ibn Mas'ud. And look at the way they treated him and they beat him until he died. Why? Because he spoke against whom? Marwan. Marwan the stepbrother of Uthman ibn Affan who became the wali of Kufa. Allahu Akbar. Go read the, the man who sat on the, in the position of representing the Khalifa of Islam. Khalifa of Rasulullah. Marwan, as soon as he came to Kufa as the, the stepbrother of Uthman, he went and he stole a hundred thousand golden dinars from Bayt al-Mal. Ibn Mas'ud was the custodian. So he came out and he said, Oh Muslims, a hundred thousand dinars was stolen by the Amir. I'm not responsible for it. So Marwan called him. He said, Are you crazy? You're exposing me. I am Amir. I am the representative of the Khalifa. So he threw the keys and he went back to Uthman thinking that Uthman is going to remove this corrupt man and he's going to discipline him. Instead the beating came to whom? To this man, to the Sahabi of Rasulullah, to the servant of Rasulullah, to the beloved of Rasulullah. Who initiated disrespect towards the Sahaba? The beating of Sahaba, the murder of Sahaba. The people of Egypt came to him. To Uthman, Ya Khalifat al-Muslimin, the person who have you chosen as the governor of Egypt is extremely corrupt. Remove him. So he said, indeed I will remove him. And I will appoint Muhammad, the son of Abu Bakr, to go with you. Listen to the story. So he wrote a letter. That Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr, the son of Abu Bakr, is going to be his representative and his governor to Egypt. And he sent the letter with the people of Egypt. Now they're going back to remove 
the governor. At the same time, they found another messenger going to Egypt. So they intercepted him. Who are you? He says, I am the messenger of the Khalifa, Uthman. They were suspicious. Why is the Khalifa sending another messenger? So they took him and they read his letter. What did the letter say? What do you think the letter said? As soon as Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr comes, kill him. Annihilate him. Finish him. Finish the opposition. They returned back with Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr and they surrounded the house of the Khalifa for 40 days. They did not let him drink water or eat. Who sent him water? 40 days. They surrounded his home. So he would step down. Step down as the Khalifa. He didn't step down. Who sent him water? Al-Imam Amir Al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Ahl al-Bayt. What kind of heart do they have? How much forgiveness is there in their personalities? This is where you know they are the chosen ones. This is where you know Allah has not chosen people based on lottery or blood relation or their names. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses the most qualified of them. He was the one that sent water to Uthman. So he does not die from thirst. Yes, whether he was corrupt or not is a different question. Whether he should step down or not is a different question. But somebody dying out of thirst, Amir al-Mu'mineen cannot do. Huh? They surrounded his home. After 40 days, Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr and some of the other companions went inside his home. Muhammad grabbed him. They say Uthman had a very long beard. In the books that speak of his uh, biography, they say he had a very long beard. So he grabbed him from his beard and he wanted to slap him. Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr. But he didn't. He stopped. Perhaps because Uthman was 90 years old. And Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr was disciplined in the house of Amir al-Mu'mineen. Amir al-Mu'mineen raised Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr. He's the one that taught him akhlaq. So he stepped away. Others came and they stabbed him and they killed him. Now the Khalifa of the Muslims, his body was left three days. Nobody wants to go and bury him. How much was the inheritor of the third Khalifa? Uthman ibn Affan. 57, the equivalent of 57 million dollars of today, just in gold in his home. Over 40 million dollars of today in silver in his home. Over a thousand horses he owned. Over a thousand villages he owned. And the rest of his goods and properties and slaves and servants. and He had accumulated this. And he had appointed the most corrupt individuals such as Muawiyah. And Marwan to lead the Muslim community. Amongst the things that Marwan did, brothers, was what? 
he led salat al-subh for rak'ah. And they, they told him, Ya Amir, salat al-subh is two rak'ah. He says, would you like me to add some more? In their books, in the books of the Muslims, they say sometimes when he would go to sujood Marwan, instead of saying, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la wa bihamdih, instead of saying, Subhanallah, Astaghfirullah, Alhamdulillah, Ya Latif, Arham Abdaka al-Dha'if, what would he say? He would say, I am thirsty, give me more. Mm. Thirsty for what? They say when he would come into the mihrab, the smell of alcohol, people would have to cover their faces while they pray behind the Amir. They came to him, they said, Ya Khalifa, this is the Amir you chosen for us? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam spoke of, and they told him, Ammar bin Yasir, and the rest, Abu Dhar, and the rest of them, they even told him, you said the seerah of the shaykhain, fine. The shaykhain didn't do this. Umar and Abu Bakr didn't do this. They didn't choose their children and corruption and public adultery and alcohol. And this, this was not in their, in their seerah. What are you doing? He was killed. And as soon as he was killed, the Muslim community all at once marched at the doorsteps of whom? Ali ibn Abi Talib. At the 35th year after Hijrah. This is going to be our discussion tomorrow. The beginning of a new chapter and a new era. While Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al-Muwahideen Ali ibn Abi Talib took the position of Khilafah of the Muslim community. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.